Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Buckeye Weekly Podcast. I am Tony Gerdeman here, as always, with Tom or Tom. How's it going? Tony, this show is always an absolute joy to do. And then this week, what do we get to do today? We get to rewatch the Iowa game again. Tony, this is already not my favorite episode. Yes. Uh, but the good news is, Tom, we don't have to watch Iowa anymore this season. And I can say that as somebody who has watched them play Michigan, who I think has had to watch them play Rutgers. Or was I just watching Rutgers play Michigan? I don't know. It all runs together. And um, like Iowa is like a red sock in your white laundry just bleeds into everything and it discolors everything. And that's how they got the pink locker rooms there in Iowa city. Wow. That is great historical knowledge there. And you know what? I completely believe it. So, (laughs) so yes, we did rewatch the Ohio state Iowa game. And then we're going to talk about, Hey, what did, what did we learn? What did we catch this time that we didn't necessarily catch before? And, uh, you know, not make any crazy generalizations. You know, this is just the Iowa game after all, but still, stuff that caught our eye. Tom, can I go first? Uh, please, by all means. And this was something that I probably should have caught at the time. But again, as I'm in the press box, uh, they're not necessarily showing, they don't show bad plays necessarily on the scoreboard. And I can't, like, I have a TV like directly over my head, so I can't see what that is. But I thought that the sack and fumble on CJ Stroud and the, the fumble return, I thought that was a blitz. And as I'm watching it, it was not. It was just a little like a twist by the defensive end, a little stunt coming around. And, um, cause I was, as I was processing it in my head and I saw a replay of, um, I don't know where I saw it, but, you know, CJ Stroud is getting ready to throw it, wants to throw it. Linebacker jumps the route, so I'm like, oh, okay, that's linebacker. That's somebody jumping the hot route from the, where the blitz was vacated. Then I'm watching it this uh, on, on the second time, and it's like, oh, no, uh, that was just good pass coverage. C.J. Stroud didn't want to throw an interception at that point, and then as you know, it's too late, and the defensive end comes tearing around through the vacated area and just lays him out, and 
hits him right on his arm where he tucked the ball, and it was you know a good hit, and the ball went flying. But um, I know not the most enlightening thing, but I thought I thought that was a blitz until I saw it and um, you know got to actually watch it all again. Yeah, Joe Evans was the defensive end who made that play. He uh, was one of the players who talked after the game, so I got to hear his. You know, he was, he kind of went through a lot of the blow by blow on that one. And he said when they saw Ohio State was in empty with no no one in the backfield except for Stroud, uh, the defensive tackle next to him kind of gave him a signal that they were going to do uh, what they call an under, where the defensive tackle will go to the right, pull the guard with him, and then the guard and the tackle are blocking the same guy, and the defensive end loops around, and and that was that was exactly what happened. It happened just as they as they drew it up, and yeah, he came clean up the middle, and when the hot route was you know the, when the quick read there wasn't there for C.J. Stroud. You know, that he's just, he's in a bad spot there. And, you know, you can, if you see that, maybe you can throw away, but he did not have a lot of time. There was, that was a, that was not a lot of time in the pocket for CJ Stroud. And, uh, you know, that was, that was a, it was a fortunate bounce for Iowa. There's a bunch of stuff that had to go right for them there where the ball kind of bounced right back up to him as he got back up and scooped it up and ran in. But yeah, I mean, it was, that was a heck of a play. And, and, you know, I, I don't know. I, I guess that's sort of a first year starter in uh, Donovan Jackson and Ohio state being in empty and not having someone else to pick up that, uh, pick up that rusher. You wonder if that's going to change, you know, does that, does that make Ohio state go away from being an empty a little more in the future? Or, you know, you have to get the ball. They, they have to get the ball out faster if they're going to be empty. Cause you know, that that's the kind of mistake that against Iowa is like, well, you know, now humorously enough, Iowa's defense has outscored Iowa's offense. But against you know against you don't want to do that this weekend against Penn State. You definitely don't want to do that against Michigan, and then you don't want to do that against anyone you're going to be facing after Michigan. So that's uh, you wonder how that's going to impact what Ohio State does in terms of lining up and where where they've got folks. All right, my first one. Oh, let's see. Uh, you know, what? I'm going to start with a this was not a didn't notice, but this was a forgot to talk about on Saturday, just as we were kind of wrapping up the game. Boy, oh, Iowa returned just about all of the returnable kicks that they had, and they had a bunch of kickoffs. And, you, you know, I, I that makes a lot of sense, because if you're Iowa and your offense is not going anywhere, you know, maybe you break a kick return. Who knows? And, you know, it seemed like they, they popped a couple that got them out into decent field position, which just you know, functionally just gave their punter more room to work with. But they, you know, you wonder if, you know, teams with shaky offenses are going to be doing that and teams looking at Ohio State's defense going, how many points is our offense really going to be able to score against Ohio State's offense, a defense? To me, Tony, that is suggestive that Ohio State should just, even more so than normal, be trying to kick the ball through the end zone. Just don't give, you know, go ahead and let the opponent start on the 25 because, does it matter if Northwestern's offense starts on the 25 or the 17? Is that eight yards of field position going to make that big of a difference versus, you know, hey, maybe they bust one. We have seen in this calendar year a team run back a kickoff for a touchdown against Ohio State in the uh, Rose Bowl. Britain probably did that for Utah. That that just to me seems like, yeah, I'm sure the numbers say, well, it, it will increase your win expectancy by 0.01% if you, you know, you know, harm, you know, on average or, or bumping them back three yards in field position or whatever. That just seems like, you know, you're going to have a black swan event every once in a while. If you can just avoid that and just kick the ball through the end zone every time, I think Ohio State might be well served to do that. Yeah. Caleb Johnson averaging 24 yards a return on his five returns with a long of 33. And I, and this is probably a better question for Ryan Day. Is it a situation where they they can't do it every time because they just can't execute it every time in terms of kicking it into the end zone? Is it that difficult to do? Is it um, you know one of these, these things where you you try to power it through, but if it ends up at the one, that puts your coverage unit in a disadvantage because there's no hang time there. So you try to find this happy medium of Let's put it in the end zone, but also let's have some hang time in case it doesn't get there. And then by putting the hang time in it, you're automatically shortening the length of the kick. Whereas if you just power it through, and maybe that's not something Jaden Fielding has been able to do consistently. I don't know. Uh, but when you're giving up 24 yards of return to to the key returner, I guarantee you he's not re- catching all of those at the one and then just getting back to the 25. Like they are getting some good field position out of that. and. Against Iowa, that just means, you know, they're going to fumble it and, you know, 
midfield somewhere. And But other teams, it's like you don't want them starting out at the 35. You'd much rather have them starting out at the 25. And then you have to weigh, do we want to try to pin them at the 15? Or do we want to have a chance at them getting to the 35? So, yeah, it's it, it's something that they have to weigh. And I wonder if it varies by offense that they're facing. And maybe it does. And if you can pin Iowa's de- offense at the 15, you're going to get the ball at midfield, perhaps. You know, and so you go for that because it's like, well, if they return it to the 35, well, you know, it's not like they're going to get two first downs and, and then, because they're still going to have to get, what, three first downs probably to have a shot at a field goal. So, you know, there's probably less danger with Iowa, but at some point, you know, again, I just, I wonder if they can do it every time. Like if they're physically capable of doing it every time, putting the ball in the end zone, I don't know. Yeah. I, and that's sort of the, one of the great mysteries. Cause I, you know, that's one of those where if you ask Ryan Day, can you just not do it? And he'll be like, no, we can't do it. Like, he's not going to say that. That's he, you know, that, that gives up a pretty obvious strategic, uh, you know, question that other coaches would be like answered. So you won't get an honest answer from Ryan day about that, but you know, you got Parker Lewis. Now you've got Jaden fielding. Like it, it seems like someone should be able to kick the ball through the back of the end zone. That that's not, you know, that is a thing that other teams can do. It seems like you've got, you have three, you know, three kickers this year. Like you, one of them, one of them should be able to do that. So. We'll see. What's your next one? I'm going to go to the Ohio State offensive line. Uh, they had issues throughout this game. This was not Donovan Jackson's best game. It may have been his worst game. Uh, and Paris Johnson was getting ball rushed here and there. And you, when you look at the, 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 the pressure that C.J. Stroud was under at times, it came from the inside quite a bit. And so this wasn't – there were times where Matt Jones wasn't able to get to some blocks. But Donovan Jackson, just the left side, there kept being issues. And it was interesting to me that as they're saying, like Joel Klatt and Gus Johnson are talking about Donovan Jackson being the best offensive lineman on the team, then they're like immediately led to maybe a sack from Donovan Jackson's side. And the one they were talking about as well with the uh, the, the forced fumble. It's like, I don't know how often of these, they, they weren't um, passed properly in terms of, you know, Donovan Jackson would go help and then somebody would come through or he would, he wouldn't help long enough. Like, I don't know the exact, I'm not, I'm not some PFF guy sitting on a computer judging people on on what they're supposed to be doing, not exactly knowing what they're supposed to be doing. Just, um, as, as PFF, you know, they just make assumptions as well. But when there are issues on the left side, then, you know, you start looking at the offensive line there and who, who's playing there. But, it wasn't just the left side; it was both sides, and uh, they the line. I don't know that they adjusted all that well, and so um, I don't. I don't know how much you can change the game plan, you know, midstream against Iowa when you're already up twenty six to ten at the half. It's like, well, you know what? This is going to suck. This is going to be ugly. We're just going to keep doing what we do. We're going to try to throw the ball. We'll take some shots. We know we can if we just can get some protection, but. Um, not the best day for the offensive line, and that's not even discussing the the horrendous running game. That's just like some there's some skill, some one on ones that were were not handled well, and some guys were getting beaten. And credit to the Iowa defensive line, I thought they were very good. Uh, as I said, the bull rush that they were doing, and it wasn't just bull rushes. They were those defensive ends played well, and the defensive tackles did as well. So credit to those guys and then the blitzes there weren't enough offensive linemen at times for for that extra linebacker because just because one guy's helping another and there comes a guy free so i i wonder how well the communication went during the game basically Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, that, that I think is a good question. And are those issues that can get corrected? I mean, now you have film to teach off of. And, you know, if you're going to have a game where it's like, oh, boy, the offensive line didn't play particularly well. It's much better to have that and be able to teach off of that film in a four to four point win than, you know, last last year where the offensive line didn't play real well at Michigan. And it's like, well, good news is you have a lot of time before your next game because you're not going to Indianapolis next week. So, you know, if you had to choose, this would be you would you would always choose to learn from a win. So, yeah, that that remains. I mean, we talked about that on uh, the uh, episode of Michigan Monday we did uh, yesterday where, you know, we. I, th- I think the offensive line is a little bit of a concern and, and can Ohio state win in the trenches on both sides of the ball. I think that is a legitimate concern for that Michigan game. And that's just now they have, now they have some stuff to teach off of and and you've seen how team, you know, some things teams might throw at you. So now you can, you know, now, now Donovan Jackson has seen these things You can go back a couple of years and, you know, you can remember other young offensive linemen seeing stuff that, you know, hey, the, this you saw a twist or a stunt or something you weren't expecting, and okay, well now you've seen it. Now you can have this explained to you, and okay, here's how you pass the guy off, and you go back and just even if you know, even if Donovan Jackson had just been able to get off and just chip uh, the the rusher, that might have been enough to give CJ Stroud enough time because you know you're dealing in very small chunks of time there, where you know maybe that's enough to get CJ Stroud to just be able to throw the ball away or something. So you know, it's something to, something to learn from, and doing it in a 44 point win is not a bad thing. Uh, another one, speaking of, you know, not really being able to necessarily tell who was at fault here, just a, a weird play where, Ohio, you know, CJ Stroud, we talk constantly about how he's just constantly in sync with his receivers. There was one in the first drive where he was just very out of sync. Um, Mecca Abuka ran, you know, kind of cut inside and Stroud, he, he, it looked like if he had, if Stroud had waited just another split second for uh, Abuka to get his head around, he's probably walking into the end zone. But he just, he looked like he rushed the throw. You went back and looked and there was, there wasn't a pass rush in his face. So, you know, he looked like he was expecting Buka to have his head turned around a little sooner. Buka, you know, it may have been a, you know, a choice route or something where, you know, if the guy's playing here, you do this. And if you got, you know, if he's playing with outside leverage, you do this. And if he's playing with inside leverage, you do that or whatever. But whatever it was, they were just not on the same page there. It just, and, you know, they just said all day, they just kind of looked a little out of sync on offense. And, you know, We've also talked in the past about Jackson plays. Was that a Jackson play that, I mean, Jackson Smith and Jigba was in there, so probably not. But, you know, is that something that he's worked with more with a different receiver? And they just, I don't know. I mean, there's, it just looked out of sync and that kind of jumps out to you because they don't usually look like they're out of sync. But they've had a few in recent weeks, the pick six at Michigan State, where he and Ibuka weren't on the same page. And then this one, you know, an Iowa defender got his hands on the ball, didn't pick it off, but you went from a, potential touchdown to a percent potential interception just because they weren't on the same page. And you know, I mean, that's got to be at least a little bit of a concern. Yeah. The first two passes of the game for Stroud could have been intercepted and that second one probably should have, but yeah, I immediately went back to that pit pick six where Emeka and CJ weren't on the same page. And I believe the issue was the fault was with Emeka the first time. So it's, you assume it is maybe the second time, but what, yeah, we don't know when are you supposed to have your head around and in terms of when, where are you reading the coverage and all that? Like, we don't know the ins and outs of when should his head be around, but obviously CJ Stroud thought it should have been around and, you know, it went right over him and nearly into Hawkeye arms. So yeah, you, you've got to be alert and you've, it, it's there, there are so many, like there's no verbal communication but yet all of these guys are making judgments based off of position of defenders and coverage. And 
It's just all of this is just learned and assumed. And when one of those learned or assumed things doesn't click, it looks like everybody's an idiot. Like, why why are you throwing that? Or why are you not looking for that? And it's it's this the timing is so intricate that if something is off, I mean, it's like gears in a watch, like you'll just time stops basically. And so that's what that was. And yeah, immediately made me think back to the, the pick six. And so that's, that's concerning where you've had that a couple of weeks, not necessarily in a row, but the same two guys. Uh, so that's something that, uh, I think Bears watching, even though Emeka Ibuka is on his way to being an all Big Ten wide receiver this year. Yeah, he is. And, you know, again, this is not uh, the Ohio State offense is completely dysfunctional. You saw on Saturday what a completely dysfunctional offense looks like. If you were old enough to remember the 2011 season, you have seen what a completely dysfunctional Ohio State offense looks like. This was not, you know, this was not completely dysfunctional. This was just, oh, they, they normally make that pass and they didn't make that pass. That's weird. And, you know, this is. This goes back to a lot of the conversations we've had about C.J. Stroud this season, which is the standard is so high that you feel like an idiot saying like, well, I guess that has to be a little bit of a concern that he only threw for 286 yards and four touchdowns. But it feels like also you there is a little bit of concern there with 286 yards over touchdowns. So that, you know, that is that is just a testament to the standard of C.J. Stroud, the standard of the Ryan Day offense and the standard of what Ohio State wants to achieve this year. I was thinking yesterday or today, some somewhere this week, about 11 years ago, Ohio State was starting Joe Bowserman at quarterback, and how far Ohio State has come. It's probably because of the, the C.J. Stroud criticism that I wrote about. Just like, this is like uh, what, the, the from Orville and Wilbur to the space shuttle, basically an advancement in a span of 11 years. This is like, you know, the iPhone, the 10 years prior to the iPhone and the advancements that have been made. And it's not, it seems like forever ago, but I promise you it's not that long ago that Ohio State was starting Joe Bosman out there and then he wasn't good enough. So put in freshman Braxton Miller and go win a game by completing one pass against the Illinois Fighting Illini. But um, my next one, Tom, let's go with, let's, let's keep it with CJ Stroud. He threw an interception, but that should have been overturned. Did you see the ball hit? Did you see that, that interception by Jack Campbell? Did you see the ball hit the ground? Or at least to the point where they should have reviewed it. I don't think he had complete control of it. You see the ball moving as he's going down. You don't necessarily know it hits the ground, but you can tell. Like The ground is, you know where the ground is. So I think uh, that shouldn't have been an interception. However, the bad throw still would have stood. Like That, that was still a bad decision, and he knows it. And, and when you watch the replays of that, and you can see what he's trying to do, but he's, there's still like three guys around. And he, he's leading Julian Fleming, and Jack Campbell makes a tremendous play. And it's like, what are you doing? And then later on in the game, he throws one into triple coverage to Marvin Harrison that is complete. And CJ Stroud is probably like, that's what I'm doing. Yeah, this is what I do. And it, we saw it against Indiana a year ago where everybody marvels at this throw into like four defenders. It's like, when you can complete those and, and you have the, the precision that C.J. Stroud has, you know, 70% of the time he completes 100% of his passes, essentially. you know, uh, There there are going to be the ones that he doesn't where you're like, what are you doing? And it's like, well, because I can do this. I've done it. I just wasn't able to do it this time. And, and yet sometimes when you do that, it ends up being an interception, even though, Tom, statistically, yes, it is an interception. I don't think he caught it. Well, I mean, you you can take that one off the board and then give Iowa credit for the one they got negated by a by offsetting penalties <laughs> later, and Iowa still has one interception. I mean, it just yeah. I mean, I feel like we've talked before about Big Ten replay not being tremendous this year, and that you know, that that felt like one that like at least deserved a look. But I don't. They they at least didn't officially stop the game to take a look at it. My next one was actually about that throw to Marvin Harrison, and, and if you are not if you don't remember which one we're talking about. It was about 520 left in the third quarter. Uh, one of the most amazing throws I've ever seen. Because, you know, Joel Klatt's talking about the fact you, you look at the replay and like from Stroud's angle and it's like, all you see is white jerseys. And he just throws it out there and it's like, this is a terrible decision. What kind of, it, it was a no, 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 yes kind of throw for probably Ohio State fans watching it. Where there's an underneath defender who's got his hand up and the ball must have missed his hand by six inches or less. 
And then Harrison reaches way out in front of him, catches it. You know, the guy behind him was close, but not close enough to catch. And, you know, certainly couldn't catch it in the spot where Harrison got, where Harrison caught it. Cause he was just a little bit behind. It was, you know, the ball, the proverbial ball put in the place where only, only his guy could get it. And you see that. And it's like, man, how does this guy ever not complete a pass? How do you possibly cover these receivers when the receivers are as good as, you know, Marvin Harrison and Mecca Obuka and Julie, Julian Fleming and, and all those guys. And also CJ Stroud can do that. Th- that to me might have been a more impressive throw than the one that he dropped into uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba in the uh, corner of the end zone in the Rose Bowl. That was, that was just a remarkable throw. And of course, if the underneath defender tips it up in the air, uh, and you know, then, then the uh, safety behind him intercepts it. Then everyone's going, "What a stupid throw! That was what a, what a dummy!" But but he completed it, so therefore it was an amazing throw. Yeah, and you had the the throw down the sideline to Marvin Harrison against Michigan State that was very similar to the Jackson Smith and Jigba Rose Bowl throw. And that one, you know, watching it on YouTube, which is probably like what seven twenty i, like there's no seven twenty p or like this is not HD. You're watching that replay. I don't even see Marvin Harrison in there. I can't pick out any red. It's just, it's just Hawkeye defense. And it's like, well, I, I guess he knows somebody is over there, you know, but yeah, there was, it almost felt like there's a half the defense is over there and it didn't matter. And then, yes, everybody that's, that's an amazing throw. Like you said, it's one of the best throws you've ever seen. And it was the, one of the best throws you've ever seen because it was just a matter of an, an inch or two which is the precision that C.J. Stroud works with. That throw to Julian Fleming, 45 yards in the air, about an inch over the defender's hands. And I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he actually got a finger on it as Ju- before Julian Fleming caught it. And th- that defender was right there on that throw. And this is the precision that C.J. Stroud operates under. And so like, I'm okay giving him some leeway on some things because we can, we see what he can do. And it's like, that's, those throws aren't normal, and the confidence to throw those when things aren't going well, that throw to Marvin Harrison, things were not going all that well for the Buckeyes. And then, like, he turned it on that drive with like three or four con- just ridiculous throws. And I was like, no, I'm back now, guys. I-, I was watching that throw, and my thought was, what do you think the Iowa defense is thinking right now? Like, you're, you go in a quarter against a quarterback and, and an offense in practice, and, you know, who, who is oh, on your side on Saturdays? And it's like, wow, look at that. You, you completed two straight passes without a defender there. Great job, everyone. It, do you remember the Simpsons episode where um, there's the really smart girl? I think it was, her name was Allison, mm-hmm. moved to town. And, you know, her family is, her dad is going to do the anagram game with people's names. And, you know, Alec Guinness, it's genuine class. And uh, he asked uh, Lisa an anagram for Jeremy Irons, and she can't come up with anything. And he says, uh, you know, I have a, I have a ball. Perhaps you'd like to bounce it like that. That feels like what the Iowa defense must be looking at the, at their offense. Like I have a ball, perhaps you'd like to bounce it and oops, got away from you there. Uh, it's just how, how maddening that must be. Like, look, this is a thing you can do. You can do this. Not many people can do this, but it is theoretically possible that you can do this. Uh, she did come up with an anagram for Jeremy irons. It wasn't, wasn't it Jeremy's iron? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, man, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's, it's like putting, uh, like coming up with some art and taking it to the Louvre and be like, I want to, let's just put it up here with this stuff. And that's, that's what the IO defense is experiencing. Like this, these are not the same. This is not the same medium at all from what we see in practice to what we see in the game. We were not prepared for this, even though they played really well. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, the Iowa offense is not good enough to be sold on the street outside the Louvre, let alone hung in the Louvre. That was... Not even on the fridge. Not great. And yes, uh, speaking of the Iowa offense, you know, we, we talked after the game about the fact that it's so much worse in person than it is that looks on the stat sheet. And then I watched the game. They put up a graphic after three drives, and Iowa had four total yards, zero first downs, and two turnovers. And in the first quarter, they had 12 rushing yards, zero passing yards, no completed passes in the first quarter, two turnovers, zero first downs. Anytime you can take it, passing yards plus first downs, and the number of turnovers you have in the first quarter is greater than that number, mm, you are not having a good time, friends. And you go through the game and there's just, there's all these moments where it was just in the second half, Alex Padilla was rolling at one point. It was a fourth down play. And I have in my notes that he threw it away. I can't swear that it just wasn't just that he airmailed the (laughs) receiver by, I mean, like literally five yards over his head, but it was like, did you mean to do that? Did you not know it was fourth down or was that literally the worst pass I've ever seen in my life? And again, I, I don't want to put this on the players. I don't want to put this on the quarterbacks, especially. I mean, Alex Padilla talked about the fact that he had only gotten a handful of snaps with the first teamers in the previous couple of weeks, which like, I'm sorry, what? And your brilliant plan was to throw him in halfway through this game against this Ohio State defense? Uh-huh. Good job. That's fantastic planning. Excellent leadership, everyone. The, the, I, the, the whole Iowa team just feels like it's like the charge of the light brigade. Or if you're familiar with the actual, like the, not just the poem, but the whole story behind it, like it was a very noble and brave group of uh, group of soldiers who uh, were just led by just morons who couldn't communicate and couldn't do anything, and just were just doomed to instant death because they were led by morons. I was reminded of the charge of the light brigade, Tony, last night as I was rewatching this game, and I, I mean, it is it. Every time you watch it, every time you think about it, it's somehow worse than the previous time. And it, and it was already one of the worst things I've ever seen. Like, how? How is this possible that you are getting paid actual American dollars to do this? I don't understand. Uh, you'll, under, you'll, you'll appreciate how I know this Iowa offense is bad. So I rewatch, you know, on YouTube, and we've talked about this before on Michigan Monday, where you can fast forward through through the, the game with the – like the LK, L key is 10 seconds faster and the JK is 10 seconds backwards. But like, as I'm rewatching these games, I like to watch the offense, like all of the offensive snaps for Ohio State. So I'll have to like, when Ohio State punts or scores, I'll scroll through like the, the, the bottom of the page of the YouTube video to like see the next time that they've, the thumbnail of the next time they've got the ball. With this, I would just fast forward with the, the, the 10 second key to get through the Iowa possession and then get back to the Ohio state <laughs> offense, because it's like, it's quicker just to do that than to, to get the mouse out and to, to scroll for the next possession. It's like, let's let me fast forward 30 seconds and then get back to the Buckeyes. It was performance art. I don't know how else to describe it. It just really, really amazing. But um, you know, I mean, and, and people you'll, you'll see people complaining about the Penn state offense and it's like, Oh no, 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 no. Whatever you think you have problems. No, 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 no. You you're, you're doing just fine. Let me, let me tell you about problems. We just saw problems last weekend. You're doing just fine. Well, and I think that maybe is some of the reason why I bristle at some of the, the people upset with CJ Stroud for not running on a third and five. And it's like, did you not just watch this Iowa stuff? But then it also <laughs> goes back to what we talked about last week on Michigan Monday. Like, there's big boy criticism. You're you're in the spotlight. Everything is going to be critiqued. My next one, Tom, is uh, I think the first long drive or one of the long drives that Ohio State had also featured tempo. May have been like the only time that Ohio State was running tempo in this game, and it was effective when they did it. And 
the reason they didn't do more of it is they were just so concerned about getting into the perfect play. And it reminded me of, uh, I don't know, a couple of years ago where they always talk about getting into the perfect play. And then the year after that, like, we need to stop trying to get into the perfect play and just run, you know, go with the offensive line, go with, go with the, the up-tempo. That's what the offensive line wants. But against this Iowa defense, there was so much concern about finding the right play for the alignment and then Iowa does some things differently than they have done in the past, which caused, I think, even more slowdown for the Ohio State offense. But I think they're more effective when they're doing the tempo and when they don't and they slow down and look for the perfect thing. I think that plays into Iowa's hands. because I, I feel like Iowa, Iowa's defense and Michigan's defense would rather Ohio State take their time and not run some tempo. And I think if you're doing something that defense would rather you do, then you should do the other thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, you're not necessarily going to run tempo every single play, but as a, as a change up, just to keep the defense off balance, make them, make them guess. And, you know, you run, you run tempo and sometimes you're going to want to change personnel and then you can't run tempo and that that's okay. But, you know, just, just as just some, as something to just make the other team think about it, make the other team worry about it. You know, if you've watched Tennessee this year, you have seen Tennessee running a lot of tempo you know, the, there is there are advantages to that. I mean, Chip Chip Kelly basically made his career on fast, 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 fast. That blur offense that they used to run. It's you know, it is effective. And as long as you're moving the ball, and you you know, you if you pick up a first down or two with that, and you can keep that opposing defense on the field, that that is a real advantage. So, we'll you know, I, I would I would suspect we will see uh, maybe more of that in the coming weeks for Ohio State. Uh, my my last one was. Uh, you know, Denzel Burke has gotten criticized for not being a particularly physical player at times and not necessarily being willing to come up and, and stick his nose in there and run support. There was one play that was really interesting because there was a, uh, a third down play where they threw just kind of a quick screen to Sam Laporta and Denzel Burke kind of fought his way through a block and then got Sam Laporta down. And Sam Laporta is not a little guy. Sam Laporta is a big tight end, very effective runner, tough to bring down. And Denzel Burke fights through a block, gets him down to the ground, but, you know, and it wasn't, this was not third and two where this was a, you know, he had to get him down at, at this exact spot, got him to the ground, just a very effective, you know, that's, that's what Ohio State needs from Denzel Burke. They need Denzel Burke to be a sure tackler, fight through some contact, get, you know, get there and get the guy to the ground. You know, I, it's just one play and you don't want to read too much into any one play. But that was one that kind of jumped out to me like, oh, look, you know, that that's potentially a very positive sign for Denzel Burke's continued growth. Yeah, Sam reported like 6'4", 250. I do I, – I, I thought Denzel Burke played a very good game. I don't know how much you can judge based off of Iowa. When you've got Denzel Burke playing corner play, or playing the tight end, you had J.K. Johnson covering the tight end. Uh, he gave up like a 17-yard slant, but – when when they're putting their corners on the tight ends, I think that kind of tells you something about the rest of their offense, and it, it's not good. My last one, Tom, before we just run through all of our little notes, Zach Harrison continues to dominate. This is not the first time he dominated. He dominated this game. It's not the first time he's done so. It's the first time he got to put up a, some, I was, I was going to say a bunch of stats. It's not a bunch of stats. It's like two tackles and, uh, you know, uh, two tackles for loss and, a forced fumble, but he's batting balls. He's in the quarterback's face. This is, I hope people have taken notice of how well he is playing. Now, this is not a very good offensive line. It's probably a bad offensive line. Iowa, it's still a little too young. It needs to be more seasoned. So if we go back and look, how much of his success is against anybody good on the offensive line? I don't know. Uh, there probably hasn't been as much skill on the offensive line as maybe Larry Johnson would have liked to have seen them play by now. But still, this is a positive step forward again for Zach Harrison playing well, getting in the backfield, being sound. I mean, just keeping contained on the, the end of round. Like he's he's not gotten out of control, I don't think, at all this season. And and I think that's uh, you know playing under control for defensive end with his athletic ability is is very good. Well, and you know we we've talked a bunch on a bunch of shows this week about the fact that there's, there's just not, you know, there's, there's not a ton of super, super interesting games between now and the Michigan game. So I feel like I'm filtering everything through the, the prism of the Michigan game at this point, you know, Penn state to a certain degree, but really more Michigan. And, you know, what you just talked about there with playing under control, not losing contain, not, not, you know, opening up 
you know, running lanes for the quarterback or whatever, and just being able to get in there, be disruptive, get the quarterback to the ground, potentially get a hand on balls without losing contain. That's going to be so important against a quarterback like JJ McCarthy. And to a certain degree against Sean Clifford, McCarthy's obviously much more athletic, but this weekend against, against Sean Clifford, you have seen Sean Clifford get out of the pocket and run. He had a 62 yard run against Michigan, for example. He's not, you know, he's not the most athletic quarterback, but you're going to have in the probably the two most challenging games left in the regular season schedule. That's going to be playing under control, keeping, you know, keeping things in front of you, being disruptive, but still keeping things in front of you. That's going to be a very delicate balance to strike. And that's something that I think Zach Harrison is potentially poised to poised to do very well this weekend. Um, We have talked a bunch on these shows about, you know, I'm down on the field, so I'm not in and I'm looking through a camera. So a lot of times. There's stuff that I just flat out don't notice during the game. And someone brought up later, did Josh Proctor play at all? And I thought, I don't know that I have any pictures of Josh Proctor. And no, I did not have any pictures of Josh Proctor because Josh Proctor did not play. That was interesting to me because, you know, is that an injury? Is that just a situational thing where the Iowa, you know, they, they felt that they really wanted to have Lathan Ransom out there. Lathan Ransom's done a heck of a job. Has Lathan Ransom just won the job period or was Josh Proctor dinged up a little bit? You know, that, that to me, and th- that'll be one of the great questions we ask and don't get an answer to this week, but you know, that'll, that'll, uh, you know, that, that I think is, is an intriguing personnel thing to me because you can certainly see how Lathan Ransom would have won that job. I think he's had a fantastic year that just, I was not expecting no snaps for Josh Proctor. Yeah. Lathan Ransom is semifinalist for the, Thorpe Award, one of the twelve semifinalists. I think, I think that is his job now. I, I think that he, he has done everything right and has done nothing wrong. Like, I, how many times have you seen him? Like, oh boy, Lathan, you know, you, you, you missed that tackle, you blew that coverage. Like, he's everywhere he should be, and he's he's really good in run support. And I'm not saying Josh Proctor has been playing poorly, but yeah, it is surprising. I'm going to assume maybe there was some injury issue that he didn't play at all, but they were playing their starters pretty late in that one because that's, you know, what Ryan Day does. Jerron Cage, I thought he showed up quite a bit in this one, was in the backfield and was just solid against the run. Also, Ryan Day said that they pulled Jackson Smith the jig, but they wanted to get him 20 plays. So I went back and, and counted. Do you know, um, taking away two penalties – that was the 20th play for Ohio State. Now, I don't know that he was out there for all 20 plays, but if you want some coincidence or some synchronicity or whatever you want to call it, it was like the 20th play. Like, if you want some level of believability to that, you can be like, hey, pulled him out on the 20th play, just like Ryan Day said. Uh, I'll give you that one, Tom. Well, and I have a note that I did not count plays, but I did watch the broadcast and thought, boy, as he was coming off the field with a slight limp, uh, he did not strike me as a person who was disappointed because of a pitch count. I mean, maybe, possibly, I guess we'll find out when they start the game on Saturday, whether he's out there or not and how many snaps he gets. Does he get 20 snaps this weekend? Does he get more than 20 snaps this weekend? I guess we'll find out together. But yeah, it just, he, he didn't, the, le- the level of disappointment on his face was not, well, I wish I had caught that pass and it was incomplete instead. It was a little more than that. And, you know, maybe maybe that really was just the disappointment of the moment. But uh, like I said, we will all find out together this weekend. Tom, it was like like in gym back in school where it's like you're playing wiffle ball and this is your last at bat and it's the last time you're going to be playing wiffle ball and it's like you pop up and you're like, you know it's going to be the last one and it's like, dang it, like maybe he knew this is going to be the last play for him. And then he's like, okay, well, at least they're going to throw deep to me. We're going to let me hit a home run. And then it's incomplete. And he's like, gosh, darn it. Now I have to wait until next week. Just the point of the game where that happened, where it was in the middle of a drive. It was, it was just kind of a weird point for that to be the end of the, the end of his day. And it just, that, that just struck me as very odd. Uh, something else that struck me as very odd, the unsportsmanlike penalty on Jaden Ballard on the opening kickoff. I mean, this is one of these things that didn't really matter at all, but I, I watched it and I rewatched it and I rewatched it. And I, it was something that I was watching live and I'm like, what the heck did he do to get called for a personal foul there? Because I'm right down there on the field and I was not that far from it and I didn't really see or hear anything. And then you watch on TV and it's like he's, you know, looking down at the person below and talking to him, but 
you know, I don't know what you're saying that would merit a 15 yard penalty on an opening kickoff like that. You don't have to throw the flag on everything. And then later in the game, there was a, you know, the field mic picked up someone doing a swear on the field uh, <laughs> during one of the things. And it was like, no personal foul there. So, okay, what did he say that was so egregious that I, uh, the the unsportsmanlike conduct penalties this year have been there have been just a bunch and some of them have gone against opposing teams as well so this is not just an Ohio State shouldn't get called for like this is just like you can you can keep the flag in your pocket and that's okay and the world will keep spinning like it doesn't you don't have to call fifteen yard penalties if it's not if it's not endangering someone like okay let's all be grown up sometimes people are trash talking each other on the field I've heard it I can tell you that sometimes it happens like this is not something that merits a fifteen yard penalty. If someone's getting hit out of bounds or someone's getting, you know, speared or something, okay, yes, absolutely. If it's a player safety thing, that's fine. The unsportsmanlike conduct stuff is just stupid. You know Ryan Day was super mad at that one because you just gave Iowa 15 yards when you know how difficult it is for them to get 15 yards. And the only way Iowa could beat you is if you give them yards and you give them points. And the first play of the game, you just gave them 15 yards. I think that was probably all... all uh, that may have been their longest gain of the game, <laughs> other than a 17-yard slant to uh, Sam Laporta. And I think they had a, a long run, a 17 or 18-yard run, maybe on a draw, third, yeah. um, third and 15 or something. But yeah, not they, they did not outgain that by, by too much. One last thing, linebacker blitzes again, very effective. Tommy Eckenberg getting in there, Steel Chambers getting in there, Cody Simon playing well also. So those guys continue to do their thing. Tom, you got anything else? Uh, the one last thing that I had was, you know, after rewatching, I could kind of see what the punter was looking at on that fake punt, like that, that it was mm -hmm. not quite as crazy as I thought it was watching live because there were a bunch of Ohio State guys who had bailed. It just Xavier Johnson was there. And I think Caden Curry was still down yes. there. Those those two guys, it was only two of them and there were two blockers. And I think if he had not hesitated, if he had just gone, I think he probably picks it up because the rest of Ohio State's punt team was already on their way downfield. But yeah, Xavier Johnson and Caden Curry did a really, really good job containing him and and kind of getting that, snuffing that out and not letting that go anywhere. Because I think what I saw him see is he had a blocker on Caden Curry. He's like, well, I mean, I, I can take this. But Lathan Ransom also came in. It's like, yeah, Xavier Johnson came in, Caden Curry destroyed the blocker, and then you also had Lathan Ransom, and it was like, that ended very quickly. But, you know, you fell like, what, four or five yards short. I think... You feel you have to feel like yeah I can get this because it's just it's a one on it's a one on none basically it's a two on one so you've got the the numbers there but a great recognition by Xavier Johnson and then Lathan Ransom to come in and help out as that third guy and they they shut it down so just very solid play very disciplined play at a time when and, and as I wrote I think um, in, in uh, the Buckeye watch it's like this is what your a, a terrible offense does it forces your punter to like want to try to make plays for the team to like. I will be, I will be your offensive weapon. I will be your hero. Uh, I am the punter. I will do this. I will try to make a score. And it's just desperation. But that is, um, that's Iowa in a nutshell. Well, and it, it, you know, I think that goes back to the first thing I said, which is the kickoff returns. You're, you're putting teams, if you have a bad offense and you're, you, they, the opposing team doesn't trust that their offense can move the ball against your defense, they're going to have to take some chances in special teams. And, you know, you go back to, was it the 2016 Michigan game where I think Drew Chrisman had one where it was like he had, or Cameron Johnson, I don't remember who it was that who's punting that year, but had, had a similar thing where he, you know, it was Ohio State was very deep in their own end and, and took it and got stuffed. Am I making that up? I'm remembering that, right? right? No, I, yeah, no, yeah, that was, uh, I can, I can look real quick. 2016, keep talking, Tom. I, I feel, I feel like that was a 2016. Yeah, it was Cameron Johnson. It was the 2016 Michigan game and, you know, had a punt deep in his own end. Also is Australian, which gives you like a plus, you know, that's like a plus half of a person uh, if, if it's an Australian involved. And that's why I was so shocked that the Iowa thing didn't work. But, you know, Cameron Johnson did the same thing. Like that was a game where you, Ohio State kind of had to know like, all right, this is this is a game where you're not going to score 52 points or 62 points or whatever they're putting up against Rutgers and Maryland earlier in the season. Like this is a game where you're going to have to steal possessions. You're going to have to try and, you know, do it the hard way. And you're putting teams in positions where they have to take kind of crazy chances. And, you know, how much do you really gain out of getting that one first down? Like, would, would that have materially changed the outcome of the game? Probably not, because then Iowa has to go, you know, 
60 yards instead of 70 yards to, to pick up the, you know, and where are they going to do that? No, not in a million years, but you kind of put a team in a position where they have to kind of take some of those chances. So that's, uh, you know, I mean, a, a potential uh, thing to watch is teams may start taking some crazy chances against Ohio State because, you know, shoot your shot, man. What do you have to lose? I I assume like Tory Taylor gets off the field and Kirk Ferentz is probably like, you idiot, you almost kept our offense on the field. What do you, <laughs> your scholarship is gone. Uh, but Tom, Cameron Johnston picked up three yards on that carry against Michigan. Buckeyes won by three points. Coincidence? Yeah, what was it? It was fourth and what on that play? Do you I remember? Don't know. I don't know. I just looked oh. at his rushing yards. Okay. It was more than three. That's the important part of that story. That was an Urban Meyer call, if I recall correctly, where he, wow, we were just trying to make something happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, but yeah, you put, you're putting a team in a position where if you know you can't trust your offense to do it, you're going to have to take some chances. It's like Jim Trestle going for it on fourth and one against Florida in his own end in that 2007 BCS National Championship game. You know, statistically, yes, it's the right call. Also, it was way outside of the norm for Jim Trestle to do something like that, and it didn't end up working. And then you give Florida short field, but you're taking a chance that you wouldn't necessarily normally take. I mean, even now, that's not a in the norm for college football coaches to do a fourth and one from their own 25 or 30 or whatever it was. And that was wildly out of character for Jim Trestle the back then, even though it is statistically a very defensible thing to do. But you're making teams take these chances. And, you know, if you can make teams take those chances, they can put themselves in a very bad spot if it doesn't work. So just something to kind of keep in mind as we move forward. You know, is Michigan going to do a surprise onside kick this year? Is, uh, you know, are you going to see that from, from uh, you know, Indiana or, or Penn State this weekend? I mean, you, you may see some crazy stuff. And uh, that's, you know, that, that can be very beneficial for one team or another. You have, you have a big momentum swing one way or the other uh, with that play, whether it works or not. Remember Jaden Ballard being aware and ready for that onside kick against Rutgers. So this is another instance of of um, the ups and downs of that's really good special teams play versus why can't you just kick the ball in the end zone and you guys need to get better on kick coverage, that sort of thing. Whereas some of it's very good and others, other, of it, other parts of it can get better. But that will uh, then do it for us, this rewatch. Tom, Iowa is gone. It is put to bed. Let's never speak of it again. Are we good good with that? Unless um, unless unless we see them in Indianapolis. <laughs> no, I don't think. Unless they buy a ticket, I do not think we will see them in Indianapolis. So I think I think we can safely uh, never look at Iowa again, at least until next year. Somebody on Twitter has come up with a seven team tie in the Big Ten West. Like it can still happen. I think it probably involves Ohio State losing at Northwestern this week, but um, but uh, anyway, didn't mean to put that all of that. Like, we brought you down with the Iowa rewatch, and then also, hey, they're, watch out for the seventeen tie in the Big Ten West. I promise you, sunny days are are coming. Um, not now; it's almost November, but eventually. Uh, I want to thank you all for tuning in. As always, please check us out at BuckeyeHuddle.com. Find us there. Become a member. Say hello. You can also continue to check us out at youtube.com slash Buckeye Huddle. Go ahead and hit subscribe if you haven't. Go ahead and hit thumbs up to be uh, to, to, to say, hey, thumbs up on the video. Good job. That helps the algorithms get us out to other people. And, of course, hit that bell to be notified when we go live or drop any other kind of video. So thank you very much for tuning in, and we will talk to you guys later.